Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today is the day you will lose fat. Come see Dr. T at NJ Diet. Easiest diet I've ever done. It's changed my life. Come see Dr. T. Using blood work and DNA testing. 1-855-5-NJ-DIET and njdiet.com. Change your life in only 40 days with NJ Diet. My next guest started as an MC, dropping the hit, the theme, It's Party Time, uh, in 1997, and his debut album, Many Faces, the same year. To temporarily putting aside the mic and becoming a lawyer, he's still practicing law and he's still rhyming because love for hip-hop culture really, really never dies. He's Tracy Lee, and I want to welcome him to the library with Tim Monaco. Thank you for joining me, Tracy. Oh, man, thanks for having me. Hey, this is how we get down with no question. Trees in the VIP section. Why did you initially pursue hip-hop culture and rap music? What made you want to become an MC? Um, well, I, as far as me pursuing the culture, I think the culture pursued me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that was just, you know, it, it was embedded in the generation that was born around that time. So you're talking about anywhere from early to mid-60s to late 70s you know what i mean um and and beyond but we were like i said early to mid 60s up until like you know 70 71 if you were born in that time span you were around for pretty much the inception of the culture itself so I, like i said I, I i just think the culture found me i didn't i didn't find the culture but what i did uh was i had an affinity for the music the first time i heard it and i was outside of new york city so Basically, like the majority of people in the U.S., you know, the first time we heard anything hip-hop related, you know what I'm saying, was Rapper's Delight. So, of course, immediately when that hit the airwaves, that automatically got my, you know, uh, uh, adrenaline flowing and the juices flowing as far as the music is concerned. And uh, as far as an MC, um, the first time I heard Melly Mel piqued my interest in a, in a major way. Uh, of course, the message, you know, and 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 New York, New York, and and um, Beach Street, you know, those records, you know, just his use of words, the artistry uh, of, of the uses of words, you know, it wasn't just hip hop, the hibbit to the hibbit. It was more in depth, more uh, informal, uh, more editorial. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, from him, it was Kumo D. It was Tila Rock commentating, illustrating, the, the description giving, you know what I'm saying? And then LL, you know what I'm saying? LL brought the energy, not only the words, but the energy to the stage. And so those were probably my earlier influences. And then you go on to Rock him and 
Chuck D and, and Chris and Coogee Rap and all these other guys. You know what I mean? So did you always wanted to be a lyricist? I mean, yeah. did you ever like want to do graph or nah, nah? I, I mean, I tried, I tried pop locking. You know what I'm saying? I was alright with it. You know what I mean? With certain moves, I was cool with. Um, I was never really an artist in that manner, so to speak, because I, I I couldn't draw. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so it was always, you know. My gravitation was always toward, uh, you know, writing. Um, like I said, I'm a big fan of words. So I, I, I hear certain words, and when you put those words together in a rhyme form and it makes sense and it tells a story, that's the thing that I gravitated towards, you know what I mean? Uh, in 1997, you dropped Many Faces mm-hmm. uh, under Universal. What was your goal with that album? And how did you kind of envision it or imagine it to be the jumping point for your career? My goal was just to be heard, man. At that time, like I had been, you know, trying to get a deal for so long up to that point. I, um, you know, I, I, you know, as far back as I can remember, I was shopping demo tapes to Next Plateau and Def Jam and and all of these other companies, you know, just so I could be heard when I was in high school. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, all through college, you know, we started our own record label, uh, Funky Hit Records at Howard University uh, with my man uh, Kwame Anthony and, and Kalsar Chandler. Started that out the dorm room, put out a, you know, a, 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 a 12 inch, uh, a multi, uh, a maxi single, you know what I mean? Like people don't understand what that is, but you know, it was the single lead and there was two other records on the back side of that, but we put that out, had good success in the record pools. Um, so my goal with Many Faces, man, when I signed that deal with, with, with Mark Pitts and Boss Storm and Universal was just to be heard finally by the masses. I just wanted to get my music out there, you know what I mean? Uh, the title track of the album, Many Faces, yeah. I, I think is incredible. Oh, thank uh, you, man. You know, it's you taking on different personalities mm-hmm. and rhyming. It took me, I was like, I was convinced you had features on yeah, it. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I was Googling like crazy. <laughs> but, uh, I was wrong. I mean, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, who are the personalities in this track? And which one do you think best represents you at the time as an MC? At the time? Yeah. Had to be the LR. Mm-hmm. Either the LR or L. Like, they were brothers. You know what I'm saying? One, they were both lyrical, but one was uh, a more, you know, in-your-face battle rapper where the other one, L, L, L was the in-your-face battle rapper type of dude where LR was more rugged with it, more, you know what I'm saying, gave you more oomph with it. He was the same type of guy, a little bit deeper with it too. You know what I'm saying? So, um... I would probably say those are the two identified with the, identified with the most, and I don't want people to think I'm you know schizophrenic or anything. But <laughs> as far as like you know, everybody has different moves, you know what I'm saying. And so, primarily when I was making music back then, those were the the, the I guess the different mood. That, I mean that those particular moods were the ones I was in when it came to writing lyrics, when it came to getting in the booth, when it came to spitting lyrics, you know. But the whole man, in many faces like. That was a that was a revelation of sorts because you know a, a few of those joints or a lot of that music I had made prior to me getting signed, and so what happened was Universal wanted to rush the project because the theme took off so fast they wanted to put the album out. Let's capitalize on the success of the theme, which I think was a bad move um, at the end of the day. But you know. Okay, cool. They're the ones fitting the footing the bill. They're paying the money. They want to put the project out, put money, put money behind it. So we grabbed a collection of a lot of the records that I had did pro- previous to you know getting signed, which was cool because I still enjoyed those records. But as I was putting together the the, the the collage, 
that's when I discovered there's many aspects or many faces, if you will, to the project. So that's how this all came about. And so with each record, I tried to identify a personality with that record. You know what I'm saying? Like you had, you know, On the Edge, which was different from Here Comes the Rugged One, which is different from, uh, you know, the, the, the front end and the back end. Who shot the LR and many faces? Those were made after we came up with the concept, of course. So that kind of gave you a culmination of the personality. So it, it was kind of, you know, like I said, it was it was a revelation that the whole concept came about. But I'm glad that it did because now, 20 years later, we're talking about it, and it's good, you know, conversation. A, a, a track like many faces, but also like you said, who shot the LR, um, which is another one of you having conversations with. How? How hard is that, or what kind of mindset do you have to be in to write a rhyme with different characters uh, versus just like a straight rhyme it, on it, your own? It, it's like storytelling, you know what I'm saying? And it's a wonder why people don't tell many stories anymore with the with the lyrics, you know what I'm saying? As far at least from a commercial perspective, um, it, it, it's it's like writing a script, you know what I mean? It's like writing a script to a movie. It's like writing a book. And, you know, a lot of times when you're writing a script to the movie, you have different characters, you know, depending on what the concept of the movie is. So Many Faces was more so introductory. Mm. It's kind of like giving people an idea of what each personality represented and giving you an idea of where they were coming from. Who Shot the LR was a straight movie. I was thinking Who Shot JR from back in the day, Dallas and all that. Yeah. And I wanted to, and I was also thinking of the board game Clue. Yeah. So it was kind of like I, I, I melted those two things and kind of wanted to make a murder mystery out of it. You know what I'm saying? So that's where the you know the innovative aspect came from, and then you know just kind of implementing the rhyme skill behind it. But that was a fun record for me. I I, I love making that. Like to me to this day, that's still probably my most creative record. You know what I'm saying? And I would love to go there again. I just, I just got to be the right. Format the right story. Alright, you right. Shit is true. I never really liked that nigga, but despite my personal views, I'd never snipe the nigga. Fuck a Uzi when I'm laying in jacuzzis, sipping on dime piece, slaying a dime piece, playing, making movies, which reminds me, sis in the picture. I used to hit that, but correct me if I'm wrong. I could have sworn I seen you with that. Plus, y'all never got along, but you accused me. Wait a second. I mean, second, do, yo, do you know? Do you remember where you were when the concept for this track came out, but then also when you started writing the track? Um, yeah. I was D Dot, Derek D Dot, Angeletti, and Ron Ron Lawrence. They made the track. I got the track before I got signed. I got the track uh, probably the latter part of '95. They sent me a beat tape, and I always gravitated not just to that one, but it was a couple of them. But that one, I kept in, the, in my in, in the back of my mind, like I got to do something to this. So when it came to creating the album, I always remembered that track. And so, you know, again, as we developed the concept, when I finally figured out what the concept was, I went back to the tracks that I loved, and that just fit. That just fit right away. And I was in my hotel. Like, they had um, Universal had put me up in a couple of spots while I was working on the record. And so I was down at, uh, I think my hotel was down on... Either 42nd or 43rd and like 8th or 9th, you know what I'm saying? And I'm sitting in there and, you know, just, just you know, now we in, in record-making mode. Now we in song mode. Now we trying to, you know, put some joints out for the street, put some joints out, you know, for the, I mean, make sure that we got enough records and we're following and everything is succinct with the album. So I'm in the room and 
you know, this was back in the day when I used to, you know what I mean, yeah. chief a little bit. So I'm I'm in a zone right now, <laughs> and it just hit me. It's like, oh, let's tell a story, but let's tell an ill story. Let's bring the five characters in and just tell the story. You know what I'm saying? And then so when we got to syncing up the album, you know, of course, I had those two, those two records. It was like they were bookings. It makes sense to me doing the sync. Make one first, make one the last one. You know what I mean? So that's where that came from. Uh, the track Keep Your Hands High uh, features the late Notorious B.I.G. Mm-hmm. I preach it, my nine reaches, the prestigious, can't to speak this, really shit, flooded pieces, my hand releases, snatches, smack your cabbage, half-ass rappers shouldn't have it, so I grab it, never run, the outcome is usually a beat down brutally, fuck who you be or where you're from, west or east coast, squeeze toast, leave most in the blood they laying in. How did that track come together? Oh. And... Were you working? Was this the time? You know, because now I know it's ninety. It's ninety, ninety-five, ninety-six. Yeah, it's a time that obviously now it's before email. Yeah. So sure. So we two did working directly oh, together. We was right in the studio. Big was there first. He got there first. Matter of fact, Jay Z was in there too. You know what I'm saying? They was in there chopping it up, and I came shortly thereafter. It was in D and D Studios, Premier Studio. Um, you know, Mark hooked it up because Mark was Big's manager, um, and you know. It was really, I told him the concept. I said, we're pulling the heist on the people that fake like they got all of these this material stuff in the business. You know what I'm saying? So we tell them to keep your hands high. We're robbing them all. So, you know, he loved the concept. So we sat down in the studio. About eight hours we was in there. But it wasn't eight hours of writing. It was eight hours of talking. He dropping jewels about the business. Laughing, smoking, drinking, but all the while we're doing that, he's kind of zoning out, and I couldn't figure out what he was doing, and he was just rocking his body back and forth, and then he'll come back to the conversation, da da da, zone out again, rock his body back and forth, and I'm like, yo, what is he doing? Eight hours later, he says, I'm done, and I go, you done what? He said, I'm done writing, I'm ready to jump in the booth. I said, where's your pen and your pad? Now this is the first time I had heard of that. Because everything that I did, I wrote with a pen and pad. I can't write it down. It confuses me. Like, word? So you about the freestyles? Like, nah, I wrote it. It's just in my head. So I said, okay. So he jumps in the booth, and the rest is history. He spits these bars, and I'm like, yo, what the? What? How, how did you do that? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, again, we took the concept. We talked, chilled, all of that, zoned out, gets in the booth. Runs it down. I had wrote my first 16 to that record, and then I wrote the first eight of the second verse after the hook. And then I had to, after he spit that, me and, uh, uh, me and my nigga Lance took Kimmy's advance. That verse, I said, okay, I had something from the last end, but I couldn't come. After he did that, I couldn't come with what I had. Like, first of all, it didn't bounce right. Second of all, that verse was stupid. So I was like, look, let me sit back, listen to the joint. And so I came back a couple of days later and laid the last eight. You know what I mean? But that that display was 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 the first I had ever seen. And then, of course, you know, I heard Jaden right after that, and I heard Lil Wayne didn't write. But that was the first that I actually saw it up close. But we were in the studio together making that record. Is that how – so you rewrote the, your last verse. The last eight, yeah. Your last eight mm-hmm. after you heard. Mm-hmm. And it, 
that that I mean, there's that time. I mean, so the, the great thing about the in studio mm-hmm. collaboration, right, is that you get these friendly competitions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get that as much no, anymore. Absolutely no, no, no. not. It's fly your verse. I will fly it. Send an email. Send that email. We'll put it together. You know what I'm saying? Is that I mean, back then, is yeah. that how? I mean, even today, is that how you? feel the most comfortable collaborating with people oh in the studio absolutely man i mean you know if it's a situation where you know if the song is not really talking about nothing and you just need bars then okay i, I could do that but if we're talking about a succinct record if we're talking about making a record and we want to make you know a statement with the record and we want it to be cohesive i would much rather collaborate with you if we can't be in the booth on i mean not if we can't be in the studio together working on it then at least let's get on the phone and talk about it right, you know right. What I'm saying? uh many faces the album dropped mm-hmm. March 25th, 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biggie died yep. March 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, did he get to hear the album in full or at least the track? Yeah, yeah. He, um, yes, absolutely. He, uh, matter of fact, that was the last record he ever recorded, you know what I'm saying, to keep your hands high. You know what I mean? But he heard it. He heard some of the stuff, like I told you, some of that stuff we had already did, you know what I'm saying? And that was part of the reason why he agreed to do the record. You know, the record with me and him. He heard Repent. He heard another joint that I had called uh, No Doubt. Um, and, you know, he told Mark, Yo, your man is nice. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he had got a chance to hear the project. And from my understanding, you know, I talked to C's and all that. You know, they love the project. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. R.I.P. B.I.G. Of course. Oh. I got a new mouth to feed. I'm due south for keys. Y'all pick seeds out your weed. I watch cowards bleed. Motherfucker, please. It's my block with my rocks. Fuck that hip hop, them one twos. And it don't stop me and my nigga Lance. Took him and C's advance. Bought 10 bricks, four pounds of weed plants. From Branson, now we lamping. 12 Mansion. Bitches get naked off, get money. Players anthem, don't forget one more chance in my other hits, other shit. Niggas spit be counterfeit. So after listening to many phases, it's an incredible album. Um, and from what you're saying, you know, with Biggie and crew, like you get crazy, got crazy, yeah, crazy props for this. Um, but then it took three hours, three three more years for you to uh, come out with a new come joint. With a new joint. Yeah. Um, so what? I guess what happened between? those two that those years well a lot happened uh i think mark by storm okay i was signed to by storm universal so by storm uh i don't know what happened between by storm and universal but by storm eventually left the next year like in 98 i believe went over to the face but universal said okay you can leave but we got to keep something we got to be able to i guess get our money back so we're gonna keep trey so i stayed on universal directly now around this time and this is where things get lost. So around this time, I didn't really have a support system. I'm in the big umbrella as opposed to the mom and pop. Okay, so if you want to call Boston the mom and pop as opposed to Tower Records, which is the huge records, uh, I mean, the distributors, right, so to right. speak. I didn't have the support that I needed, you know what I'm saying? Because under the big umbrella, they're trying to, you know, dabble with everybody. At least with Boston, there was a concentration. So when Boston left, I still stay under Universal, but here comes Nelly. Here comes Cash Money. You know what I'm saying? And so now they're the priority because they're the ones that are that, that are that are being catered to. They're getting the, the, the bigger budgets, things like that. So Trey is kind of getting lost in the sauce. So with that, I created a new album live from the 215. Um, it's ready to go. Uh, shout out to D Dot because he still stuck around and helped me A and R the project and all that other stuff. But again, 
because there's no support in the building. And a lot of times record labels frown upon you if you're an artist and you're handling your own business. Now, I don't understand that, but apparently protocol is you're supposed to have representation. You're supposed to have management. You're supposed to have, you know, all these other people coming up and on your behalf talking about your project. Well, I'm taking the initiative, you know what I'm saying? I am, um, um, you know, stepping up to the plate and trying to figure this out myself since there's nobody in the building for me. But nevertheless, created the album, album got shelf. You know what I'm saying? They wind up dropping me in 2001, 2000, 2001. So live from the 215 never got released. You know what I'm saying? And it had some gems on there. I had a young Kanye doing production. I had, you know, Corrupt and, and Black Rob and uh, Buckshot and all these other cats on the, on the album. So And, you know, D-Dot, you know, overseeing uh, most of the production on the album, you know, along with my fam R&F. So it was a solid album. It just never saw the light of day. Can you eventually drop that album? I'm sure, you know, if I call the Universal, you know, uh, legal department and we had a discussion, even, I mean, it's been so long, they probably don't even know where the masters are. But um, I'm sure there's, there's, you know, if I made a phone call up there and because I'm not making any significant noise right now, I'm sure I can call up there and we can, you know, talk it out and, you know, see if there's a possibility for me for me to get the masters, you know what I mean? I, I want to talk about the... Uh, you, you as a lawyer, but I also want to ask you: um, Can you describe a little more about what the kind of the music scene in terms of labels were, was like in for contracts, et cetera, in 1997 versus today, 2018? Oh. Like, if Tracy was, if you were to drop today, mm-hmm. uh, what would you have done differently in terms of the business side? Oh, and what, like, what do, what is that one thing that you look out for, or any artist should look out for now? Okay, so as far as what I would do differently now that I would do than I didn't do back then, uh, first thing is when I signed my deal, I didn't have much money. Didn't have, I, I had a little bit of knowledge, but not knowledgeable enough. So I went out and got a lawyer to look at my contract. Corporate lawyer, you know what I'm saying? First mistake. For entertainment contracts, for music contracts specifically, you want to hire yourself a music entertainment attorney, one that understands what the 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 the, the protocol is, one that understands the language, one that understands the new nuances that are going because things are changing, especially with technology. Um, you want somebody that has a concentration in the music business that's an entertainment attorney. Number one. So that's what I would do differently. Um, but, of course, I'm a lawyer myself, so I can, you know, always look over my own contracts. But I would still hire somebody just to have another set of eyes on something. Maybe I miss something, um, as long as the budget permits, of course. Um, yeah. What's different about the contracts now that weren't the way that they – I mean, what's different about the contracts now than back in the day, there was no 360 – Situation, right. and the reason why the 360 situation exists now is because record labels aren't making money off of the sales of records anymore. So you got to find other streams of revenue in order to, uh, uh, to 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 compensate for the money that they shell out. Hmm. So they're going to take not only 
your record sales, uh, uh, or should I say a percentage of your record sales, but they're going to take a percentage of your merch. They're going to take a percentage of your show money. They're going to take a percentage of if you happen to land a lead in a, in a, in a movie deal. You know what I'm saying? Anything that you, you know, reality television, anything, as, uh, if you are a signed artist under that label, anything that generates revenue for you as an artist under your name and likeness, they're going to get a piece. That didn't happen back in the day. Now, if I'm negotiating the deal, depending on your stature and your status, I would say let's fight it. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't, because of technology, you don't necessarily, and if you got some an investor behind you, you don't necessarily need to go major label route. You know what I'm saying? You can do independent. That's what cats are doing now. You know what I'm saying? Generate your own fan base now. What you have to decide as an artist is, is it more important for you to be famous or is it more important for you to make money? You know what I mean? If you want to be famous, then you might want to sign this deal. And that's what most of these kids, they want to be famous because um, they don't understand yet. You know what I'm saying? They don't have the hindsight. Um, but I would encourage, if I'm giving legal advice to my client, I'm going to say, if you're going to sign with a label, understand what your leverage is. If you don't have the leverage and you still want to go that route, of course, I'm going to negotiate the best deal possible within the constraints of what that contract is, is, is or what, the, or, or the contract that they're presenting to you, because they're probably not going to bend too much because it's industry standard, or you can put 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 your uh, elbow grease on, you can you know what I'm saying get down and dirty and in the trenches, and go the independent route. You know what I'm saying, and that's what I encourage for. Everybody, I don't care if you're a new artist, old, uh, old artist, what have you, because you have more control over what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you have to say a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 2007, you started practicing law, mm-hmm. uh, licensed. Um, why, why did you become a lawyer? Why not a cop, such as the devil says in the devil's yeah, yeah. Uh, advocate from your, yeah. from your album in 2014? Right, right, um, right. Yo, good, good catch, <laughs> good catch. Um, yeah, it was, the, it was the business. It was the business that, you know what I'm saying? It was the... It was the it was the natural progression. You know what I'm saying? It was, I had, I didn't have a, uh, aspiration to become an attorney. Um, in the beginning, that was the first thing from my mind. I'm thinking I'm going to be an artist forever. Uh, but it was the natural progression of the nature of the music business. If you want to be, uh, successful in the business of music, not just from the artistic perspective, but in the business of music, you know, you have to understand all of the nuances, all of the language, all of, you know, everything um, in, a, in a forever changing climate, especially with technology, you have to understand it. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, it protects your interest. Like, if you have a vested interest in yourself, it will behoove you to understand everything about the business that affects you. So that's the reason why I went the legal route. And it became more interesting when I get to law school and I don't, and I'm not just taking classes, contract classes. You know what I'm saying? I'm taking family law classes. Mm. I'm taking criminal law. I'm taking, you know, every aspect of the law. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, okay. I, I have an affinity for learning. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I like to, like, I, I have a, you know, down the line after my kids get older and I pay for their education, I want to go back to school again wow. and get a PhD in psychology. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just that, you know, I guess as I've gotten older, 
I, you know, I don't mind a classroom setting. I want, you know, I, I like to have dialogue with professors and things like that and just expand your mind and all that kind of stuff. So that's the reason why I went in that direction. Does your uh, kind of your mission, I guess your purpose as a lawyer, uh, how does that work? And you've touched on that, but how does that work with your purpose within hip hop culture? Oh, oh, uh, it's, 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 it's all information. It's all about passing down the information to the to the to the cats that may not know or didn't have a clue like me or you know what I'm saying didn't have the guidance in this particular area uh that I didn't have like I want to provide that for them so that they get a jump start earlier than I did with regards to educating yourself to the business it's almost like you know when you have kids you want your kids to be better than you are right. you know what I'm saying at least that's my philosophy um you know, I want my kids to do way better than I did, be much more successful than I. And I have to, you know, of course, work hard and, and feel like you've earned it and deserved it, but not have to go around 10,000 circles uh, just to get to the point that you're trying to get to. You know what I'm saying? Work harder, not work smarter, not harder. That's what they say. Um, you know, and it's funny how, you know, I've noticed in this business, people want you to, and I don't know why. But people want you to go through everything that they went through, like, in order to get to a certain spot. Like, right. it's almost like hazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, people want you to suffer before you actually get to where they are. Like, I, I don't understand that. Like, if you could pass that. Like, I never understood the term of the game is to be sold, not to be told. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, I never understood that philosophy. Why you got to sell the game? If it's going to further the culture, if it's going to further the people that's in the culture, why Why we got to buy it? You know what I'm saying? I don't get it. it. Like I said, it's almost like I want you to suffer because I suffered. Nah, I don't adopt that philosophy. I want to make it easier for the people coming up so we can be more efficient with, you know, w- with the culture itself. You know what I'm saying? Does your love for hip-hop culture and lyricism, um, does it ever clash with your purpose as a lawyer. I'm asking this in a way mm-hmm. of like, let's picture an A&R person mm-hmm. who loves rock him. Mm-hmm. Right. But then as an A&R person has to survive. Mm-hmm. So can look at a little Yachty and not calling out little Yachty, right, but right, saying right. like, well, he's not a rock him, right. but I know he, it'll make, is, some, he'll money. make some money. Yeah. So how does that work for you as oh, it's a constant a lawyer? clash? Oh, it's a constant clash. And that's why, um, I don't take on, you know, all clients. Like, I screen everything. You know what I'm saying? Um, if it's if it's something that just takes negotiation and I don't have to be attached to it, so to speak, from an artistic perspective, if there's money on the table and you just need some deal points worked out or something, oh, I'll take that all day. It's easy. But if it's something where you want me to be a part of the project, oh, now I got to screen it. You know what I'm saying? Because... I don't know if I could give you 100% if I'm not feeling what you're doing. Like, that's very hard for me. You know what I'm saying? But if it's already just something laid out and you already got the, you know what I'm saying, your situation straight and your team is straight and you just need a lawyer to come in and negotiate the terms of the deal, I could detach myself from that. You know what I'm saying? So um, for the very reason that you said, because I'm in love with the culture. So if it's something that goes against my 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 way of life and morals and principles and things like that and i don't know if i could be a part of that you know what i mean on a fast forward a little bit to 2014 uh 17 years after you dropped your debut album you dropped the the revelation um where were you when 
you're like, all right, I gotta start. I gotta sit down, take a pen, and start writing again. Where was I? I was at the crib. I was, you know, it was me and my wife. Uh, this was prior to my child being born, and I had been working on probably that project for maybe about two years. So, you know, I just felt like there was a serious gap. A couple people maybe have wondered where I've been. You know what I'm saying? What I've been doing. Um, and then I'm asking myself, where do you want to go now? Now that you, you know, you, you got your JD, you don't really want to practice, but you definitely want to help people out in certain situations. Meaning, I didn't want to go work for a firm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to make it a job, so to speak. I wanted to uh, do it as a tool to help and also use it for branding purposes as well. Like, who was an MC and a, and a lawyer? Nobody. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's an anomaly. So now that I've achieved that, I still got the love for the music. Like, the, that never left. Even when I was in, in law school, I'm making records. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, okay, I need to put together a project. You know what I'm saying? To answer all of these questions. Not only for the people that are asking, but for myself. So I was at the house, man, and I just told my wife, and I got my production partner, Blinks, DJ Blinks. I was like, um, yeah, it's about that time. I need to push something out. And that's that's simply, that. and this, these are things that are going on in my head, and nobody's, um, I'm not making people aware of it. It's just thoughts that I got in my head. They don't know until I actually say, all right, I'm going to start working on this project. And that's what I did. Was there any pushback for the album from fans or listeners because you have a JD? I mean, were they thinking, oh, like, no. oh, who's this guy? Oh, no, no, no. Actually, I got more love for the people that knew, and it's still people that just don't know. Like, it's a gang of people that don't know I'm an attorney. But that was one of the things that I wanted to put out there because there's so many stories about MCs that are, for lack of a better term, doing stuff that's, you know, not uh, uh, worthy of praise not you know what i'm saying that there there are things that you know are being glorified that shouldn't be it's like okay so now here comes a story and not just because it's me here comes a story that's like oh wow like who is doing that like who is an mc that's becoming a lawyer who's an mc that's an attorney who's an mc that is now on the other side of the table able to negotiate and counsel you know what i'm saying on behalf of the artist because he was a, or is an artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's unheard of. So I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get that story out there. And slowly but surely, it's starting to trickle out. People are starting to see. But when I when I first did it and, I, and when I first tried to get it out there, it was like people backed away from Some people backed away from it. Like, no, this is too positive. Nah, this is too, you know, like, right. You know what I mean? So, um, but I didn't get pushed back from the people that, you know, that I, you know, I guess from the people that wanted to hear music. They were like, oh, wow. And you still do music? I thought you stopped doing music. Right. But since you still do music and you're an attorney, oh, this makes it even sweeter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I want to talk about a couple of tracks on the album. Mm -hmm. uh, Devil's Advocate. Yeah. Uh, the Doubter and the Devil mm -hmm. spits, quote. I want to ask you about features. Uh, and kind of the business side of the feature. Um, how tough is it actually to get a... We're in, a, we're in an age where it seems like everyone has a feature on like you know seven tenths of their you know like crazy high percentage um 
how hard is it to for someone to actually get a feature on their album but also what is the business side of getting a feature i mean do you have to is it if, if they're your friend can you just get them on or do you have to pay them a certain amount or do you have to go through the record label i think it's just about relationships you know what i'm saying and i said that line really being facetious you know what i'm saying of course i'm talking in third person but I said it to be facetious because me and Google were cool. Like, yeah, that's yeah. my man. Because yeah, the next track is produced by Google. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, when people and me and Rue go back 20-some-odd years, you know what I'm saying? I've known Rue since, what, 92? At Howard, you know what I mean? Um, so I just said that, like, in, in the voice of a person that looks from the outside, looking at me and Rue and seeing how tight we are, well, Trey, you tight with Rue, and Rue's... You know, that's basically Jay's right-hand man when it comes to, you know what I'm saying, studio work and all of that. Why can't you get him on the track? You know what I'm saying? This is for people that don't know the relationships and how and how it works. So um, as far as getting features, it's, be, it's basically about relationships. You call somebody up, especially now in this climate, again, this is the age of the independent. So everybody, you know, is if, if, if you got a circle and you're tight with certain people, it's almost like, you're working with the bartering system now. It's like, okay, you jump on my track, I'll jump on your track, da 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 um, um, So, and then, because it's an independent situation, you don't have the label involved. Um, and of course, if it was a situation where you were trying to get Jay, Jay, you know, he can do what he wants, basically, you know what I'm saying? But, um, I don't think it's, it's, it's that, the relationship part is harder than actually getting the feature because that's the bridge. If you don't have the relationship, of course, you're not going to get a feature without somebody charging you a ridiculous amount of money. But if you have the relationship, it's like, yo, why don't you jump on this track? And if it's hot, then boom, they're going to jump on it. You know what I mean? There was a time, though, where you had to... Like with go, Google. Okay, Google. But right. there was a time, like, before the uh, kind of the age of independence, right, that you actually had to go through the label to yeah. pay the label right, right. or something for right. feature. And then when do you think that changed? Technology. Once technology hit, man, it changed the whole game because then people... People saw that they can run their own business and they don't need... It's like you're cutting out the middleman. The The, the label now is, is really for distribution purposes. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get it to a wider audience, you want to get it international, national and international, off the break, then yeah. If there's a label interested in you, then you know you want to go that route, then that's fine. But once technology hit and you could distribute your own stuff with the press of a button, you know what I'm saying? You don't have cds anymore you know you just put your you know you put a file out there uh, uh you upload it you know what i'm saying for people to download and you press a button and say hey it's here either you give it and most people are giving the music out for free now because it's used as a branding tool you know what i'm saying but once technology hit man that kind of and that's why labels sign artists and they want a piece of the other streams because they don't really need you for the music anymore artists don't hmm. Uh, pro bono. Uh, it, it's a throwback to 1988 style. Um, why? Why 1988? 88. First of all, I graduated from high school there. 88 was probably, in, in my opinion, the great 80 between 88 and was it 94? Might have been 93. But those two, either 88, 93, or 88, 94, or maybe 88, 93, and 94. Those were the greatest years. Of music albums that dropped in that year, you know what I'm saying? Like '88 was so crazy. So it, 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 it and and I always look at 1988 as for me personally. Like I said, I graduated from high school. It was my freshman year at, at, at Howard. That was a transformational period for me. You know what I'm saying? From a, from a mental perspective, of where I is, am in high school, 
now we're going to college. Now I'm about to be independent. Now I'm about to be a man. You know what I'm saying? Or think that I'm going to be a man because 18, you're still a kid. Uh, but that that's what that that represented to me. You know what I'm saying? Plus, you know, Kane dropped that year. EPMD dropped that year. Like so, '88 was a great, like a, a golden age year for me with regards to music. At the end of our pro bono, you mentioned age. Mm-hmm. Um, is age still a factor in terms of success in hip hop? I, I would like not to believe that it is, but realistically, realistically, yeah, it is. Um, you know, and I think I think that comes from, but it's only a factor from a from a from a pop culture perspective. Because if you if 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 you go into the households of parents that actually have a dialogue and communication with their children, it's not an issue because you find out that you have so much in common. Of course, there's the age gap, but at least you have the dialogue to be able to understand. Okay, there may be an age gap, but I get down with some of the stuff you get down with. You get down with some of the stuff that I get down with. But I think the problem is is because. There's not enough dialogue between the age groups. Like, we frown upon the young cats, you know what I'm saying, for doing what they do and don't want to listen. And the young kids feel like, well, y'all ain't talking to us, so we're going to do our own thing. You know what I'm saying? And that therein lies a situation where, okay, if you don't have that conversation or if the, if the young kids don't see you or even if the industry doesn't see that, you know what I'm saying, from a, from a, hip, from a hip-hop cultural perspective, if they don't see that, there is a, a commonality and, 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 and things like that, then, of course, you're going to look like the old head. Oh, y- y- you know, y- y- okay, I always get this, 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 um, this comment. Like, if, if, a, if an older cat says uh, they don't like something about what the younger cat is doing as far as the music is concerned, there's another older cat that may come in, or even a younger cat, but I get this conversation from people, that, some of my peers. Well, your parents was the same way, you know what I'm saying? Like, your parents said the same thing about you when you was, but that's not true, you know what I'm saying? Because me and my parent, me and my mom, we had an open dialogue from back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I was introduced to her music, you know what I'm saying? So I have an affinity for her music because I, they introduced me to it, sat down, and I was educated on it. Now, when hip-hop came about, you know what I'm saying, because we had an open dialogue, my mom wasn't resistant to a hip because of the baseline. The baseline came from good times. She could identify with that. You know what I'm saying? So I think because of the communication gap that, you know, there are these boxes or there are these categories or you're the old guy or or people frown upon you being the old guy in hip-hop. But on the same breath, hip-hop is what keeps us young. That's why I say what, what, what I like not to believe it you know what I'm saying? I, I, I think hip-hop, the culture itself, keeps us young, keeps us, you know, thriving, keeps us alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, 50 now is not what 50 used to be. You right, know what yeah. I'm saying? So, and I and I owe all of that to the culture. You know what I mean? But do you, I mean, we're at a point where, like, I'm 38. Um, Ice-T is 60. Mm-hmm. Like, we're at a time where we've all, like, you know, I, I remember, like, Self-destruction, you know, 1990, I used to play in elementary school, mm-hmm. and I don't know what I was... I presented it for something. I don't know, remember what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're at a time where, like, we, we're all moving up, and we're all growing yeah. older, and we're all making money. And, yeah. Uh, so, and you mentioned earlier, you mentioned fame and mm-hmm. money, making making wealth. Yeah. Um, I mean, so do you... I mean, what? why, why isn't... I guess, why isn't our generation... Um, 
what's happening where our generation doesn't seem like or maybe they are mm-hmm. supporting older artists. It's always like, you know, I walk down the street, I see like 50, 60 year old people right. hanging out and they're listening to like whatever's on the radio, like mm-hmm. Little Yachty. And not, not, not to shit on Little Yachty again, but at the same time yeah. being like. I think a lot of that is, and I think it goes hand in hand, but a lot of that is because the older generation of people that are, and I guess, okay, so the culture grows with us. You know what I'm saying? It started off. Like I said, late 60s, early 70s, the culture itself is from a musical perspective. And then from from that point on, it grows with us. Now, as as you grow with the culture, as an artist, you still have to come with something dope. You know what I'm saying? Of course, it's subjective, but you still have to be dope with it. Like, And I think a lot of times, older artists... You know, they, they, they rest on their laurels, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? They rest on what they've done in the past and not try to make new dope music. You know what I mean? And I, I, I could be just guessing, you know what I mean? But this is what I hear and this is what I see. There are people that are making attempts to make records, you know what I'm saying? But all of it is not dope. Now, for the ones where it is dope, now the onus is on the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers, as you go back to the last question that you asked me, the gatekeepers see them as being old. Even though it's dope, you're still old. So the kids ain't going to identify with you because they're going to look at you as old too. Now, it depends on what your subject matter is. You know what I'm saying? It depends on what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So if you're not speaking the language of the kids, you know what I'm saying? If you attach yourself to the artist also, if the music sonically a- appeals to the young listener. See what I'm saying? If the music sonically appeals to the young listener, they might not hear nothing you said in the beginning. They just vibing off the music. But it's like putting medicine inside of a brownie. You know what I'm saying? You like the taste of the brownie, but you don't even understand that there's subliminally a message in there. And it'll eventually seek in because I've uh, presented it in a way that you can understand it sonically. You see what I'm saying? It took some time for me to see. I pulls no punch. I want to move on to uh, track vision. You sample Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. You give uh, good love. Uh, what's the importance of Whitney Houston to you as an artist? Well, it was the piece of the sample. First of all, shout out to my man Bees, who did the track. The importance of, of Whitney, because to me, Whitney is a representation of everything good and bad about the music business. You know what I'm saying? Whitney's a phenomenal talent. Whitney... You know, and reached reached the highest of the highs when it came to the business. But she also hit the lowest of the lows when it came to the business. You know, and whether it was a conscious decision that she made or you know what, but she subjected herself to things that you know, drugs, uh, situations that uh, put her in a compromising position, and you know, uh, things like that. So that. Her 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 stature, her example, is to me represents the music business as a whole, um, the beauty of it and the ugly head of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, as far as the sample, it took some time for me to see. You know, that's self-explanatory. It took some time for me to to see what this game is about. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you go into it as a happy-go-lucky artist that just wants to get his music heard. Blah, 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 but then you understand that there's different nuances about the business itself, about the relationships that you have in the business. Um, it's not just about making creative, dope records, you know what I'm saying, which is disappointing to me 
as an artist. But it is what it is. If you want to play the game, you got to play by those rules. So that was the beauty of that record. And there was so much emotion in the sample. It was so much emotion in the way he put it together. It just drew out the story that I was trying to tell. And it's funny, my man Dot, you know, me and Dot talked about this record. And, um, you know, he was in the record, you know what I'm saying? But it, it felt like, and it was no disrespect to anybody that I named, it was more or less me telling you how I felt, you know what I'm saying? And I don't blame anybody, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I used to, but I don't blame anybody because as I got older, I understood that, you know, my destiny and my fate is in my hands. is in nobody else's. So these are the decisions that I made. Now that I understand it took some time for me to see, I won't make those decisions again. You know what I'm saying? So that's what that was about. Signing on the dot, it's all with no clue that fine print or rape them. That's why Trey's here to save them, y'all. I pose no punches, flows in abundance. Lee Gerard alumnus among us. T. Lee built to fight the power like Spike Lee. Raw, doctorate of law. One hell of a story, one hell of a star, but never starstruck. Even when your boy made hits with Big and Boss, signed the Mark Pitts affiliated with Puff, but we're mad over here. That bread wasn't enough. That bread wasn't enough. I want to ask you about sampling. Yeah. Um, how hard is it today to get sampling clearance? And should an artist, do you think an artist should rely on samples to create music, or do you think they should try to create beats on their own? I think sampling is a part of the, the fabric of, of hip-hop music, so I'm never going to be against sampling. Now, I think it's based off of, just like with the feature, it's based off of relationships. Again, um, if you know some people, you know some estates, you know, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody that owns the right to this sample or that sample, then, yeah, pick up the phone and make it happen. Um, but if you don't, now, I'm going to tell, tell you this, and it may, it may be going against my, 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 my legal ethics, so to speak, but if I sample a record and it's dope, I play the catch me if you can. You know what I'm saying? If, 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 if it pops off, then, and you come after me, then that means I did like now I'm in a position because the record done popped off and whatever I owe you for that record, that's fine because I'll be able to go eat off of that record on tours and things like that because it got to a point where it's that popular that people are going to want to book me and all kind of other stuff. You know what I'm saying? So by all means, whatever residuals that came in, it's all yours because I didn't ask you anyway. You know what I'm saying? I used it without your permission. But again, if I, if I got a sample that I could pick up the phone and call somebody and, and, and work something out, then, you know, whether it be front end, back end, you know what I'm saying, what have you, you know, then that's what I'll do. But that, you know, the sampling thing is all based on relationships. And if you can play your stuff, of course, you want to own 100% of your publishing. Absolutely. That's ideal. You know what I'm saying? But if you got a sample that's just that hot and you make a, a smash off of that, then, hey, man, go for it. That's my thing. If the business side of the music industry did not exist, mm-hmm. And just all about career longevity. Mm-hmm. What what's the best piece of advice you could give an artist in terms of he or she having a long career? I mean, whether they don't have to deal with labels, they don't have to deal with contracts. I mean, they'll make money, mm-hmm. but 
they don't like would they should they go what they hear on the radio and try to imitate that no oh. i i no absolutely not and again i i say consistency is the key because i i've seen it happen like if you identify a base if you identify a core of people that mess with you and you are consistent eventually that core will grow and i had a domino effect you know what i'm saying because Believe it or not, all of this is psychological. Like, I've seen people become fans because their friends are a fan. You see what I'm saying? They never really liked the music in the beginning, but because they people's bop to it all the time, it's like all of a sudden then you find yourself bopping to it, and then somebody else is in the car is like, oh, y'all like that? Why do y'all like that? And then they see that, and then it goes on and on and on. So I'm saying if you are consistent and you keep putting product out, you know what I'm saying? And you keep, especially in this day and time, it's all about content. So if you if you stay consistent and you keep putting product out now, as far as whether it's dope or not, of course, that's that's to the ear of the beholder. That's subjective, all of that. You know what I'm saying? But, but again, consistency is the key. If you really believe what you're doing is, 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 is dope, and who's to say, because there's some stuff that made it that I'm like, how in the hell, but they're successful with it, then... I say whatever your formula is, whoever you've identified, keep giving it to them, and that thing will eventually grow. You know what I'm saying? Uh, say word mm-hmm. uh, off of uh, Revelation. Yeah. It's a conversation just between you and your wife, right. and she announces she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, how has fatherhood changed you as an artist, but mm-hmm. also as a person? Oh, man, tremendously. More responsible. I, I watch what I say. I don't curse anymore in my rhymes. You know what I'm saying? If I do, it's like a, a word here or there. You know what I'm saying? Um and it has driven me because I want my kids, because I started later in the game, I've had to make some adjustments and some moves that I wouldn't have made when I was 20 years old, like go get a nine to five, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. So I want my kids to see the core of who I am, you know what I'm saying? I'm not the punch in, punch out dude. I do this because we got to keep a roof off our head. Um, I do this because we got to keep food on the table for the time being until I can get back to the point where I'm doing what I love to do. So I want you to see what I love to do. I want you to also have your own business, you know what I'm saying, whatever the business may be. So my business is the music, you know what I'm saying? So whatever I want you to see how I create a situation where I can, you know, provide for our family doing or creating a business that we don't have to answer to anybody but ourselves. So that's what fatherhood has driven me to do. Uh, you have a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to take your entire discography, mm-hmm. or even stuff that's not even released yet, mm-hmm. uh, and wanted one track to kind of represent who you are as an artist today, mm-hmm. is there a track that you would choose? To represent me as an artist today? Pick one of them joints off of off of, off of uh, ESQ, man. Stop playing. Um, pro bono, um, man. Vision. Um, I I'd say that that album is the introduction of, I guess, the new or refined Tracy Lee, because anything that's gonna come after that is really gonna be a byproduct of. That you know, what I'm saying of the messages that I that I that I send, um, not necessarily the music. I may take some chances musically, you know, what I'm saying. But as far as the messages, the style, the 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 presentation, that is 
the refined Tracy Lee. Tracy Lee, artist, lawyer. Uh, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for joining absolutely, me in the library. Absolutely, yeah. man. I hope I hope this was good, man. I, I enjoyed myself. These are good questions. Absolutely. Thank you. No, thank you for doing this, man. Yes, sir. Wait, wait, wait. I hear the people like, hot damn, Trey, it's been a minute. The people like Trey, the game's different. But that don't mean that Trey's still gifted. And I don't go hard, the spit still ain't relentless. But I get it, y'all ain't ready. Y'all still busy cashing out in Rack City. Well, I'ma get busy, put this track out as misery. Simply mash out for everybody that miss me. Black out and send the game in the frenzy. Make him at the weed out the whack, it's the venture. Have young as the bees in the trap like who is he? Lil' dudes Googling YouTube of my history. Brandy to Britney, all trying to tempt me. Heard that Philly drawl and caught a whiff of the issue. And now my body bars, my guard had an epiphany. Your boys mean sipping on that old Bond 14. People, that's the sweet taste of victory. This is just a preface presenting. Neither will the beast in the proof with a flow to prove it. 42 still influenced the youth like Walt Disney. Hot, that's a gimmick. Greatest of my time, yo, that's tricky. Scrutinize every line, cause I'm picky. That's why I take so long to write a rhyme, yo, forgive me, but the minute I finish, it's a Da Vinci. Hold my disappearance against me, you still can't convince me. This can't be the illest bit of the century. And be the cure like a man in your petty. Get it? Manny, petty, cure, forget it, man. Y'all ain't ready. Stop. Playing, we need that tray. Y'all ain't ready. Stop playing, we need that tray. Y'all ain't ready. Stop playing, we need that tray. No. Y'all want the same record 30 times a day, man. Y'all ain't ready. Stop playing, we need that tray. Y'all ain't ready. Stop playing, we need that tray. Y'all ain't ready. Stop playing, we need that tray. But hold up your wait, wait, wait. I hear the people lie. Hot damn, Trey, it's been a minute. <laughs> the people like Trey, the game's different. But that don't mean the train's still gifted. That I don't go hard, the spit still ain't relentless. But I get it, the rhymes you ain't used to A hook ain't a hook without Chris Brown and Future But I'ma get busy, get downright abusive And split it with lyrics until I reckon these sutures Some suggested I should lay back on it Or throw somebody from Maybach on it No offense, but I came back for my moment Had to add balance to the crap y'all condoning Lead, the appointed, hold up, the anointed Also known as rap slash gas bed atonement For years of the lack of boom bap in accordance With half-ass albums and whack-ass performances But I still rap under the ordinance That bar for bar should be recorded With quality assurance, undoubtedly with rawness And furthermore, I don't see for the glamour Y'all think it's small, keep the keys to your phantom I'm thinking corporate keys to cabanas Just write them all, screaming YOLO blowing cheese On strip tease in Atlanta, no Leaving legacies, LLCs, that's the plan I'm thinking means for a manna So I'm mean with the grammar Till I got green busting out the seams Bruce Banner I said I'm mean with the grammar Till I got green busting out the seams Forget it, man, y'all ain't ready Stop playing, we need that tray Y'all ain't ready Stop playing, we need that tray Y'all ain't ready Stop playing, we need that tray Y'all want the same record 30 times a day Man, y'all ain't ready Stop playing, we need that tray Y'all ain't ready Stop playing, we need that tray Y'all ain't ready Stop playing, we need that tray But hold up your wait, wait, wait I hear the people lie Hold up your wait, wait, wait. I hear the people like. But hold up your wait, wait, wait. I hear the people like. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.